Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the MatchFit Football Podcast. I'm Darren Potts, your host, as always, here on the MatchFit Football Podcast. Today, I am joined by a goalkeeper from the Portland Timbers. It is Jeff Atanella. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. It's um, it's coming into the business end of the season um, in the MLS playoff season. How have you felt the season's gone so far? How are you feeling? What's What's going on in your world? Well, I mean, for me personally, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting season. Obviously, uh, you know, I picked up a, picked up a season ender in the beginning of the year, which is never fun. Um, so, you know, it's been a, it's been a pretty steady prog- process of rehab and you know doing what I can to try to get myself match ready for next year. But you know, in terms of the way that the team's playing, I think that we're in good shape. Um, obviously, you know, things have gotten a little bit tighter. Things have gotten a little bit tighter, a little bit closer towards you know the end of the year. But we had that really strong stretch run that kind of you know, put us in a decent spot for us to finish in a spot where hopefully we can get a home game at the end of the year, which is, you know, when you're playing in Providence Park, it's super important. So, so at the moment, I feel like we're in a pretty good spot, but you know, this is the crazy time of the season where you got to take every game one, one game at a time and just try to rack up points until you clinch something. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, Providence Park, and it's one of those sort of stadiums and not to act like an, I'm an expert and I've been around them all. I haven't, you know, being based here in Vancouver, I've obviously been to BC Place, I've been down in Seattle, I've been to Portland. and Ooh, <laughs> But, but not, not to go off on a, on a fan tangent here or anything like that, but, <laughs> but, but Providence Park is brilliant. The atmosphere is great. The fans are, are behind you. What's it like for you as a professional footballer, having that energy and the passion around and behind you when you're playing? It's great, man. You know, uh, this is my ninth year in MLS. So I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of growth in the league. You know, I've been to a lot of stadiums where there aren't many fans, you know, where their support isn't, you know, where we'd hope it would be. And I've been to a lot of stadiums where the support has really grown over the years. But, you know, the one thing that has always been constant is Portland. You know, when I when I used to play here as a visiting, you know, when I was on Salt Lake, I played here as a visiting goalie. It was one of the most fun, hardest places to play because you really feel like, you know, you feel like a true footballer. You feel like a true professional. You feel like this is the types of environments that you grow up dreaming about playing in. And, you know, even, even when they first came into the league, Portland's always delivered in that. And, you know, Providence Park is always rocking. The fan base is so supportive and they're so loyal. You know, there's been a couple instances where you give up a bad goal or, you know, there's a bad moment on the field and all you can hear is Timbers Army still screaming, you know, you know, we still love you, like the singing the songs and like still giving you that lending hand of support, which, you know, I think that's very unique for soccer in this country. And I think that it's something that's super unique in the MLS. The league continues to grow. But, you know, Portland's always kind of been the fan base that started this whole thing off. And, you know, it's still there. And it's it's always impressive every time you get to play there. Yeah, it is. You know, it's one of those grinds where I think as an away fan, as an away team, it's always intimidating too because of that atmosphere. And obviously for you as a home player, it's incredible to be part of that. You mentioned earlier on, you know, that you picked up a bit of an injury at the start of the year and, it's kind of been one of those seasons where you haven't really played because of the injury. Um, how does that affect your role in the team? Do you still feel part of everything? Are you able to, you know, encourage the boys and be, I don't know, just kind of like be there and be part of it. And how does that affect you mentally? And how do you help the team in your, in your current position? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think that, you know, this is my second one in like three years where I've where I've had to pick up something serious. So this time around, it's been a little bit different in terms of trying to understand what my role is and where I fit into the team. Um, you know, this is my fifth year on Portland. I feel like I'm a, I'm a veteran guy who's been through a lot and has a lot of experiences and a lot to offer, you know, younger teammates or guys that are going through something. So I've really tried to just take on more of a mentorship role with some of the younger guys and 
you know, in terms of, as far as the team's concerned, you know, you always don't, you don't want to be the injured guy who's, you know, too heavily invested or too, you know, too into every little good or bad thing that's going on. So I try to be there. If people want to talk, I try to be there, you know, when the team wins, I try to be one of the first guys in the locker room that's, you know, banging on the door, trying to, you know, ramp up the excitement so that the guys realize what they just did was a, was a big accomplishment. And, you know, at the same time, when the team, when things aren't going well, I try to be a guy that's more of a steady voice that, you know, it's kind of on the outside looking in because I'm, uh, you know, at the same time as I'm part of the team, I'm kind of on the outside of everything, but I'm just a person that has like some really good understanding of what's going on on the inside of everything. So I try to keep everybody's perspective, you know, on a clear path and in a good line. So that's definitely what I've been trying to do this year. It, that's fascinating. You know, you mentioned you see yourself as a, a you know, veteran goalkeeper, so to speak. Um, in terms of your mentality, um, we'll, we'll come, you know, to the mentality section of the pot, of the podcast, you know, the match fit mindset portion of the podcast. How do you maintain that mentality, you know, when you are hurt and you're able to be upbeat and encourage your teammates whenever you need to be a voice in the changing room to help people when maybe it's not going well? How do you work on your own mentality and what is the importance of having a strong mind and a strong mindset? I mean, a lot of it comes from experience. You know, I, if you would have asked me this question during my last injury, I don't think I probably would have given you the same answer because it was something that, you know, injuries are tough. Like injuries are tough mentally, they're tough physically. And when you're going through the grind of rehabbing and you're watching your teammates play every day, you know, you're going to watch these games, like you said, in Providence Park. And, and you know, you remember the feeling of what it's like to be down there and, and be on the field and be the guy in the net. You know, it, it, it can be challenging. It can be really tough. But I think just like with anything, you know, this time around having the experience of my last one and, and you know, kind of knowing kind of knowing how dark and how deep I could get down the wrong path of, of feeling bad and, and, you know, really like letting an injury get to me. I went down that path the first time and it was, it was not for me. So, so, you know, this next time around, I just decided to approach it with a different mentality coming from a place of, you know, it is what it is. But you're still a part of this team. So how can you best contribute? And I've always, you know, prided myself on being a good locker room guy. So, you know, if that's the role the team needs from me now when I'm injured, then that's the role I have to play. You made a fascinating point. You know, the first, like if you, I had asked you that question, you know, the first time you were injured, your answer would have been totally different than how you went down, you know, maybe even a rabbit hole last time you were injured. And this time it's been very, very different for you. In terms of your motivation um, and, sort of your discipline what changed between this injury and the last injury what's what has switched in your mindset that you're able to be a lot more proactive and positive this time and this injury I mean I think last time so the last time it happened I was coming off of you know a big moment in my career we had just made the MLS cup and you know I was in goal for the Timbers for that cup and it had been something that I've been you know aspiring for pretty much my entire life right yeah. like that was the goal that was the goal I felt like I that I reached the point where I was finally hoping to be at and and you know it was just an injury that eventually took over and there was really not much I could do about it but you know the first time around it was just something that just got to me you know mm -hmm. it was kind of like the woe is me like why is this like happening now of all the times you know that type of mentality and mm -hmm. and you know I think that as I've learned and, you know, as you grow up dealing with experience or, or especially you grow up learning about other people's injuries and learning about the sport and just, you know, just that it's part of the game. And, you know, it's not like a woe is me mentality. It's more of a, all right, well, this happened to me. What am I going to do to make sure I can get through this period in the best mind space possible? Because, you know, if and when I do come back, I want to have a clear head and I want to be in a good space. So, you know, I felt like this year I was finally in a place where I was good. I was good. I was in a good mentality and, you know, when the injury happened, it wasn't more of a woe's me. It was just kind of like a man, like, 
can you believe this? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just a different, a different approach to it, just a different attitude to it. And instead of, you know, dwelling on the things that dwelling on all the things that could have happened, you know, I just started a game in Azteca. I was playing really well. It was my first time really back on the field in, in about a year and a half. And it happened again. And it was more of a, you know, all right, we'll take the moments that you had this season. Think about all the hard work that you put in before, you know, think about all the hard work that's going to take to get to this good place again. And, you know, just kind of approach it with that positive attitude and all the good things you can do during this time, as opposed to, you know, joining on all the bad things that are happening. In terms of your, your motivation, then what motivates you to, obviously you want to come through this injury, but what motivates you to come back from this injury, to get back to the level you were at, to maybe even get go further in terms of your quality and ability than you were last time? What's the overall motivating factor for you as a footballer? Yeah, I mean, the first time, my first time around, it was totally like, trying to prove people wrong right like and i don't think that that's a healthy place to be coming from to be completely honest so i think that that was probably my mentality the first time around but the next time around you know it's my family to be completely honest it's you know it's uh staying motivated for them you know this is what this is what i do to provide for my family this is what i do to to make sure that everyone's okay and and you know so when you think of things that way it's a completely different it's a completely different mindset it's a completely different you know approach to what you're doing you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're motivated by proving people wrong, then I think that that's the wrong, you know, that could be the wrong motivation when things go wrong for you. So it's, you know, it's finding a different mindset. And for me, it's been my family 100%. It's fascinating to see that differential, you know, of how that, that, that change that's happened, you know, for you this time around. Um, in terms of because of the injury and stuff like that, do you, have you been doing anything differently in terms of your training, perhaps new injury prevention training, extra stretching, extra sessions, anything away from the corporate environment of training any individual focus to be completely honest not really man i'm like i've been trying to eat a little bit healthier but besides that it's just about you know the injuries that i've had have been have been very like fluky it's been Mm -hmm. a uh you know i dislocated a shoulder and and ripped up some shoulder stuff you know Mm -hmm. go diving for a ball my arm got stuck on the ball my body rolled over and it popped out and Mm -hmm. you know that's how it got hurt and then this one it's you know i tore a ligament that i never even never even heard of before you know what I mean? It's a, uh, or not a ligament. It's a, uh, tendon. I turned, I tore a tendon, the rectus femoris tendon, which if you could tell me what that is, then, you know, you should, you should go on jeopardy. So, you know, the injuries that I've had, the injuries that I've had, you know, it's just been one of those things where it's, it's unlucky. It's part of the game, but at the same time, you know, in terms of the way I've been taking care of my body, my muscles and things like that, I feel pretty confident in it. I just feel like for whatever reason, you know, these, these couple of things happened and it is what it is yeah absolutely and, and i think it is the key of knowing yourself as well you know you know and you're able to, to diagnose almost that these things have just happened it's not like you've been doing anything wrong so all of a sudden your shoulder pops out it's just one of those things that happen and you take it in your stride and you develop and you move forward um in terms of coaching advice for you throughout your your entire career could you pinpoint maybe the best single piece of advice you've ever been given you know we have a lot of young people young players that listen to our podcast and we always like to try and find some wisdom, words of wisdom, some golden nuggets from the from the pros. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, man. <laughs> Let me think about that one for a minute. I mean, I think I think the the best piece of advice is and it's one of the hardest things to do, especially when you're younger, especially even when you're my even when you're in my stage. Right. It's. It's very hard to do, but it's the best piece of advice. It's just stay, stay in your moment, appreciate your moment when you're in it, 
and, you know, understand what the next steps are, understand what you need to do in that current moment to, to achieve your goals, but don't get too far ahead of yourself because the second you start getting ahead of yourself, you know, that's when you start doing yourself a disservice because you're unhappy with where you're at. And if you're proud of the work that you've put in and if you're and if you're happy and content with where you're at at the moment, of course, you always want to achieve more. But just like everything, right, everything's a process and everybody needs something to happen for them to take that next jump. So just enjoy the moment, especially for young players, you know, really appreciate the moments when you're in them, you know, work, work in a way that you want to achieve your goals. And if you're doing that, then something then something good will happen. But don't get too far ahead in your own head, because then you're just going to get frustrated, which is which isn't good for anybody. Absolutely, because it's very easy to kind of get frustrated, you know, in one game, especially as a young player, if all of a sudden you may be in a good run of form and, you know, it's very typical in the MLS, you know, we have three games in six days and all of a sudden maybe the coach decides to give you a rest one game and all of a sudden you're in your own head doubting, why am I being dropped? And it's maybe not a case of being dropped, it's a case of being rested. And it's very, very easy to kind of switch that mentality to think you're doing something wrong. And instead of being in that moment and enjoying it, and accepting it for what it is and then moving forward yeah absolutely i mean i could tell you so many stories of me doing that man if like i don't know if you i don't know if you want to hear them but <laughs> but you know it's uh you know like i said coming off that cup in 18 you know there was a there was a stretch there where you know i was getting shifted in and out and and to be honest man it, it, it took over my mindset in a way that you know led to me not playing the way that i need to play to to keep the position so mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was another thing that I had to learn, you know, even at this stage in my career, you're always learning, you're always learning in the moment and you're always learning different things. So, you know, that's like I said, that's what I'm trying to do now as a veteran, because I feel like I've been through a lot of these experiences and there are a lot of younger guys. You know, you talk to a lot of younger guys in the league all the time that are very frustrated with where they're at. But, you know, it's about really appreciating what you have in that moment and then taking it from there and figuring out how to get to where you want to be. Yeah. And it's almost when, when you are in those difficult moments is finding out how do you overcome those those adversities or those hurdles and like you said you know you've you've learned a lot over time you know and you've got to this stage of your career and you're able to look back and reflect on what you have learned and think okay this this is this was beneficial for me i should, probably shouldn't have done that at that stage but that all came with time and learning <laughs> one of those <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, don't absolutely. we don't absolutely. we don't we all and in terms yeah, of, of uh, in terms of young people as well you know like like i mentioned you know sometimes there's three games in six days in the mls and the mls is one of those crazy leagues where you know you mentioned playing at salt lake where you're playing at elevation and then the next game you could be down playing in texas and then you could be up playing in edmonton you know and just out of you know whatever or not montreal somewhere like that where it's just freezing cold and there's so much different like different scenarios different settings different venues the weather the climate the the travel how do you how do you maintain your your body you know because it's not just a case of taking care of your body but there's the airports the travel everything that encompasses a player especially in the mls yeah i mean i think it's it's just part of the grind like i was you know i didn't i didn't come into the league starting right away so i started to understand the grind a little bit of the travel and just what it takes to you know to travel in that fashion and to be on the road the way that we are and and the different things like that but you know, once I started playing every game, it was just like, holy, like it adds a different element. It adds a different layer to, to everything that you're doing. So there is definitely an adjustment period. And I think that you see that a lot in the MLS, too, where, you know, teams will go out and make a big signing. And then these guys come here and they don't perform the, the way that everybody expects them to right off the bat. But, you know, when you're talking about traveling for the MLS, you're talking about flying from Seattle to Orlando. You're talking about, you know, traveling throughout this entire country and even up up through Canada as well, where, 
you know, it's a lot of space to cover and you're usually traveling the night before a game where you could be on a four hour flight, get in at 10 o'clock at night, sleep at the hotel, eat some random food, play the game and then fly back. And then you got a game on the weekend. So it's, you know, it's a huge adjustment period in the MLS. I don't think a lot of guys are used to. And it, it is like another thing that people have to really settle in on because it is its own, you know, it's a daunting task in itself. I will say that we just switched to private charters, though, which is like, that's the tops. Yeah, that's changed. That's changed the experience a little bit. Maybe it'll make it a more uh, attractive, attractive league to some other guys, you know, some bigger guys now that we're not jumping on Southwest flights. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I was like, I think it was Jermaine Defoe made that comment when he was playing at Toronto. He couldn't get over the traveling and the amount yeah. of time waiting in an airport, you know, and I was just like, this is incredible. He just could not grasp it. And I think, albeit he was, he done very well when he was in the MLS, I think in the end, it was the traveling that made him be like, I can't do this. I'm out. <laughs> there's like a, there's like a story. There's like a, there's like always a funny story. I don't know if it's like an urban legend or if it's actually confirmed of David Beckham getting a middle seat on a Southwest flight and like being sitting <laughs> next to two old ladies who didn't know who he was, but could you just imagine David Beckham oh. like decked down LA galaxy gear on a Southwest flight. So yeah, I mean, it's been growing pains, but the league's definitely growing, which is also, you know, the league's growing and it's going in the right direction, which is also very cool. You know, you're seeing guys, I mean, you're seeing guys getting pulled into national teams and going to big international tournaments that before, you know, would never been heard of. And now it's happening pretty regularly throughout pretty much all the teams in the league. So it's headed in the right direction. But the old stories are always pretty funny. <laughs> the old stories are the best that I wish. I hope that did happen. I would love there to be a video someday surfacing <laughs> of just Beckham in the middle of like an economic charter or playing right. stuck between two people. Yeah, But yeah, you know, you are, you are right about the growth because when you look even at the national team, the expectation for the national team is no longer let's make a World Cup. It's like, let's get out of the group stage and then let's see who we get in the draw. You know, that expectation is lifted and that's due to obviously the academies, the talent coming through. There's so much of American talent in Europe. There's so much American talent in the MLS that's being played. You know, you even look at someone like Daryl Dyke, for example, went from Orlando to the championship and was arguably, you know, one of the best players from his arrival in January. And you're kind of waiting on him to explode again and get get a move at some stage. It's incredible the amount of US talent now that, that's really coming through. And I feel like that expectation level has just went through the roof in the last five to 10 years. Yeah, it's a dangerous expectation level though, right? It's a pretty dangerous thing. I think I think that's the interesting thing about American soccer is it's, you know, people want to get behind it. People, you know, the country and, and fans really, really want to get behind it. But at the same time, it's like, you don't want to get your expectations too, too high, too early because, you know, it's like the soccer fan base kind of goes with ebbs and flows of how the national team does. But, you know, the way that they have it set up now where it seems like every single national team player is playing on some big club in Europe. He's playing somewhere big and, and you know, hopefully that they're, that they're getting the pieces to put it together for some sort of run. You know, obviously we got to make it first, though, because we didn't make it last time around. So let's check that. Let's check that box off first and then we'll let the expectations kind of go once we see the groups, once we see what groups we're in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right about that, but it certainly brings the young players into football. Like they want to play, they want to, like, I think it was, it was it's FC Dallas, I believe, have over 100,000 players on their books across all their teams. And when you start looking across all the cities in America and all the MLS teams and all the academies, there's a phenomenal amount of young people playing football and a phenomenal amount of young people that, you know, that are being really, you know, trained and, and brought up in a way to be an elite athlete. And ultimately, that's what footballers are. You're elite athletes. And what comes alongside that is the discipline and the dedication. And I want to touch on that topic, because obviously with discipline and dedication comes hydration and nutrition. You've talked about trying to eat a little bit better this time off the injury. 
talk to me about your your discipline your dedication your you know the nutrition aspect of it the food aspect the the hydration how difficult is that to get right especially when you're traveling so much yeah i mean i man i don't know if i've gotten it right i don't know if i'm the uh, i don't know if i'm the number one candidate but <laughs> but you know like of course like like you don't want to be eating garbage. You don't want to be eating, eating bad things like that. But you know, at the same time, it's about, it's about just finding I think I've always thought it's about what's finding what right, what's right for you. Like, how do you feel when you're playing? How do you feel during games? Like finding that right balance, finding that right mix that fits you so that you're feeling like you're preparing at the optimum level. You know, I've been around guys that can eat chocolate chip cookies and go out and play, you know, play 180 minutes in a week, not miss a beat. And you know, their fat test is still like a, like a 5%. <laughs> And I've been around, you know what I mean? So I think there's always like a good balance, but of course, having the right nutrition and, and of course, hydrating, like you said that earlier, hydrating, you know, I always believe in that that's like crucial number one to making sure that you're, that you're feeling all right. But, you know, I've always looked at it as trying to find the right balance to make sure you're, you're playing and you're feeling comfortable the way that where you're at. And, and, you know, so that's just always kind of been my approach. And then once you get that right, you're able to, you're able to go to training and like you said, perform at that optimal level. Talk me through a day in training. What is a day like for a goalkeeper in training every day? Oh, man. So so with the Timbers, you know, we go out. That's what people don't know about goalies either, too, man. We're always working the hardest. Like, we're always out first. We're always doing shooting at the end. You know, we're always the people that are out there. But so, you know, we'll go out a little bit early, probably like 15 or 20 minutes early before the rest of the team so that you can get the goalie work in. And then uh, pretty much depending on when the head coach wants to pull the goalies in, whether you're going to goal right away or – you know, whether you're taking your time a little bit and then the field players are working on other things. So pretty much you just stay with your goalie group, go through training, you know, whatever the goalie coach wants to work on that day. And then, you know, once you get called over to the full team, you, you just jump in goal for whatever drills they have. And, and, you know, you're just involved in that fashion, however you want to be. And then generally guys like to do some finishing at the end, you know, if it gets okayed with everybody. So we'll hop in goal for some finishing and, you know, depending on the day after you're done with training, hop in the weight room for a little bit of a lift and, you know, getting out of there probably after lunch, which around one or two o'clock. So that's pretty much how things are structured out here. But I think, you know, I think it varies with every club, but goalies are always out first from my experience. <laughs> and the thing is to, the ground and pound on your body because you're constantly throwing yourself about, you know, obviously stopping balls, your hands, feet, all sorts of stuff. And, and then, like you said, you enter then training whenever the head coach decides, decides to pull you in and then potentially a gym session after. Are there any type of is there any type of specific recovery that you like to do after training specific stretching or do you have something that you do every day or is it very um corporate led uh, team focused yeah so like you know i've always been big on stretching so things like yoga and stuff for goalkeepers mm -hmm. i think are always super important just because like you said you know we are always tossing our bodies around so you got to try to make your muscles ready for whatever mm -hmm. and then you know as far as things like that go you know i like the puffy pants i don't know if you've heard about the puffy pants but you know, those active recovery pants in a cold tub are things that generally work for me. But, you know, we have a very good setup out here in Portland where, you know, if, if you want it, you know, dry, I've always had a lot of success with dry needling. You know, those are things that work for me. And, and you know, those are usually my go-tos when I'm feeling something a little off. But we have a really good setup out here in Portland where, you know, the medical team has pretty much everything at their disposal. So whatever you feel like doing, they can pretty much take care of on that day. So whenever I'm not feeling great, I just go to them and say, fix me. And then they figure out what to do. <laughs> well, that's important to have that, isn't it? You know, that that's, it's so vitally important probably to your career to have a medical team that's able to diagnose and figure out what's going on and be able to sort that for you. Um, in terms of how, you know, football, it, it's, I'll, I'll word it this way. Like 
we see footballers as fans, you know, we see 90 minutes and we know they go to train every day, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, behind the curtains, so to speak. Um, is there anything about being a professional footballer? And for our young people listening to this, is there anything about being a professional footballer that you find overly difficult? Or is it something that you, you've had a passion for and a love for your whole career? Or if you could pinpoint something as a pro that is the hardest thing to deal with? That's a really, really solid question. So I think that there are multiple, multiple layers to that question. It's, uh, it's a passion and it's a, it's a, you know, you threw that word love, right? Mm -hmm. It is a passion and it is a love and it is something that, you know, whenever I get the opportunity to be on the field, I treasure that moment. And I know, I know how valuable every single moment that I get on that field is. And I think that, you know, I can only speak for myself, but from a goalkeeper from a goalkeeper's perspective, right? A lot of the game is super, super mental. Like everything is very mental. And, you know, one of the things that I didn't anticipate coming into the professional game, and especially once I got to the MLS where everything seems to be a little bit more, you know, everything seems to be a little bit more important than the other stages of your career, because it is your job and you're on a, you know, especially out in Portland, you're, you're being watched on a scale that is pretty massive because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, national TV games and, you know, like we were saying earlier, everything matters a little bit more in Portland. It's the, uh, it was the constant, how much, how much it's always on your mind. You know what I mean? Like you could be, you're with the family, you're, you know, you're at the grocery store, you're doing different things, but you're always thinking about it. You know, it's, it's, you know, that moment in training and it's, what is this team going to do on the weekend? It's, you know, how am I feeling with this? How am I doing with this? And it's, it's just something I wasn't ready for initially was how much I would be thinking about the game 24 seven. And, and that has been an adjustment. And that's something that I felt like this, you know, when I started playing again, the second time around that I had a really good grasp on and I was really under control of it. But, you know, the first time around, it was something that really, you know, caught me by surprise about the professional game because that's how that was my experience with it. And that's something that I think it's okay. But I also think, you know, we go back to that mental side where it's like having a good grasp of that and knowing that that's okay, that you're going to be feeling that way and that it should be your main focus. But at the same time, it's like having it under control so that it's, you know, positive vibes, I guess is what I could say. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You're right. It's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy footballing world. And I think with obviously the emergence of social media and how quick information is passed around now, it's almost like everybody is an expert and the over and football can be a little over overanalyzed now. And people seem to overlook maybe something that maybe you could even just say a striker sliced a shot and it went over but we would overanalyze that and say oh he made the run wrong he done this wrong he done that wrong and it could be something so simple um but the social media aspect i think has really taken the analytical side of football to another level to another extreme and it's a way for a player probably you've maybe experienced this i don't know it's maybe a, a way for a player who to struggle with because they can never switch off because they all they have to do is go on Twitter and search up their name and read all the comments and then all of a sudden they're in a rabbit hole and it, it's so so hard not being able to switch off and like you said you, you think about it constantly um is that something that you've been able to get a handle on as you've got older being able to sort of manage that yeah absolutely and you know like I'm sure that that sounded pretty doom and gloom but it's not you know it's a it's just one of those things that you know it's it's I think that it's it's a job, like it is a job, but there are a lot of jobs where you're not thinking about your job 24 seven, right? You log off on a weekend or, or you know, you take a Friday off and Friday's off. You're not thinking about it. You know, you're not returning emails. You're not doing anything that's required of your job. 
but you know when you're when you're playing on your off day you don't want to be you know going out and doing things that are going to ruin all the work that you've put in up to this point you want to be making sure that you're always mindful of your career and you're always kind of putting that first that is on your mind but in terms of like the social media stuff like absolutely you know you can go down rabbit holes very quickly and you can you know you go if you make a mistake and you hop on you know twitter then for the next 48 hours it's not going to be it's not going to be a fun place so mm-hmm. i think when i was younger in my career i used to you know i used to dive into that a little bit more and, and you know it would be a lot of oh man i can't believe that they're thinking this about me but as you get older you know you realize that this isn't you know that's not the voices that matter the voices that matter are your teammates your family and the coaches so mm-hmm. You know, you learn to tune those people out as you're earlier, but it's always something to be mindful of. And, you know, you don't want to be you want to be mindful of what you're doing on social media, especially when things aren't going well, because it's not going to be a fun place for you. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And obviously, that's something you've learned as you've got older as well, you know, not to be on social media constantly and not be reading everything overly seriously. And one of the big things I would like to ask, because like I said, we do have a lot of young people listen to this, but what was the biggest thing you noticed when you stepped up from junior football, college football into MLS, adult men's professional football? What what are the big differences? I mean, for me, from a goalie, it was 1000% the speed of play, man, like every with every level I jumped up, the speed of play increased pretty dramatically. And, you know, it was it was something that I think that as young players, especially as young goalies, I don't know how many goalies listen to this, but especially as young goalies, it's something that you need to give yourself a little bit of grace with, because, you know, the speed of play does matter a lot for a goalkeeper, because if you know, if you're used to reading the game, so much of being a goalkeeper is reading the game and understanding a moment. But, you know, the, the, the more you improve or the higher up you go in your career, the more level as you continue to progress, you have to understand, too, that the, the level of player that you're surrounded by has gone up just as much. And if they've been in it for a long time, you know, they're very much caught up to that level and that speed of play. Whereas a goalie, you know, you need experiences, you need time to adjust, you need that time to really like level up your game to get it to where it needs to be. And it will happen. Time will come. You know, you're, you've leveled up for a reason. But give yourself a little bit of grace every time you do, because, you know, it's it's part of it and it's natural. And that's the thing that can be very frustrating. But at the same time, like, just understand that you leveled up for a reason and it's meant to be faster because it is a, it is a higher level. So you got to give yourself a little grace period to, to kind of adjust to that. And the thing with it as well, you talked about leveling up and, and you know, developing, going up through the different levels. What's really you've probably noticed this all throughout your career you know maybe from when you started out playing in college to where you are now maybe you just had to save shots when you were in college you know and you'd have have you maybe had to have a good kick now all of a sudden you're expected to be a player who can play out from the back who can ping a ball you know to a winger's chest you know who can maybe even get a couple assists a season a goalkeeper's role in the last 15 years in my opinion and i'd be interested to hear yours has changed radically from where it used to be. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about that and how you can adapt to the constant evolution of the game. Yeah, that's another great point, man. So it's been, it's been, it's been such an adjustment, especially these last four or five years. You know, when I was playing with Nick Romano, I would say that Nick Romano was probably the first MLS goalie to be doing the things that you're seeing. I still don't know if anybody does it as good as Nick, but you know, he used to be able to play with his feet in a way that I had never seen a goalie play with their feet. Like he was my first really experience with that. And then, you know, I think over the last four or five years, the goalkeeper position has evolved so, so much with people wanting to play out of the back. I mean, they even adjusted the, they even adjusted the goal kick rule so that the players are standing inside the box so that yeah. you just pass the ball short and you, and you literally build up out of the back now pretty much on every goal kick, which before, 
you know, when I was growing up, it was drop, hit a drop kick as long as you can. If you happen to be able to hit it over people's heads, that's like extra points. And in terms of goal kicks, you know, just like step back and launch it to the tallest person on your team and, you know, kind of hope for the best, find your number nine and just hope for the best. So it was always like a direct route way of playing. But, you know, just like as a game, as a game's adapted for goalkeepers, you just got to work on your feet that much more. And, you know, I think that that's something that has changed a ton with my training regimen is, you know, I used to go out there and it was Fridays, Fridays before a Saturday game. It was kicking and crossing. You, you know what I mean? You catch a cross and then you do 10, 10 drop kicks, 10 punts or like hit 10 long goal kicks. And, and I was like, OK, I'm good with my feet for the day. But now, you know, it's the first 20 to 20 to 30 minutes of a practice I'm spending with my feet, whether it's, you know, connecting with the center mid, you know, playing those balls, those diagonal balls, to the outside back, switching the field of play, working on things like that. So it's it is a thing that's evolved. But I also think it's a lot more fun. It's a more fun way to play the goalkeeper position. Of course, there's a lot more pressure on you because, you know, if you make a mistake with your feet and you're in the back, you're going to be getting all the headlines. But at the same time, it's a good way to stay a lot more involved. So there has been a huge adjustment that goalkeepers have had to make. And I think that, you know, when you look at guys that have been in the league and kind of been able to make that adjustment while they're still playing professionally, they deserve a lot of credit that I'm not sure people are giving them because it is a hard thing to do to learn a whole new skill, you know, especially when you're playing as a professional and you've done it one way your entire life. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. It has changed so, so drastically and it does make the game a lot more fun. You know, I even remember being at a camp when I was a kid and it was with Glasgow Rangers and there was a couple of different coaches and stuff over and we were we were taught to play and we were playing a com- competitive tournament. We were playing to win the second ball. Keepers getting the ball, the keeper's putting it long. If, let the, of if course. The, if the, yeah. yeah, if the defender wins <laughs> it, you, you get on the second ball and you had the really quick guys up front and that was all they were there for. You get on the second yeah. ball. And that, that that's crazy just, just how it has adapted you know, over such a, such a quick period of time. I don't think there's, I mean, it's kind of, I'll say this, man, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, I want to, I'll keep the language appropriate, but you know, (laughs) you get really good at goal kicks, you know, you get really good at goal kicks and drop kicks one way, right. I'm hitting drop kicks, hitting long drop kicks. And the next thing you know, you know, the next coach or the next, you got to learn how to hit those little sidewinders directly to a player it's like what i haven't done this my entire life like you want me to just learn this on the fly and then of course you know you got the field players out there who can just you know you hit a bad ball they'll pick the ball up and hit a sidewinder right back to your chest because you know it's it's something that they've been doing naturally their entire lives you know you're just back there trying to figure it out saying man i've worked i worked my entire life on drop kicks now i know you're not allowed to hit drop kicks like what's that all about <laughs> now all of a sudden it's like find your fullback <laughs> yeah exactly it's like what i haven't done this ever you want me to play that ball like, i've been avoiding that ball my whole life <laughs> oh it's crazy just how, how the game how the game has changed and i'll flip it back to something maybe a little bit a little bit different for you if i was your head coach and i walked in tomorrow and i was able to put my arm around your shoulder and i was like jeff i want to bring out the best in you what do i need to do to bring out the best in you Oh, man, I think uh, just open communication. I think open communication. I think that, you know, I think that sometimes as players, you get lost a lot of times in, in trying to figure out your role or trying to figure out where you stand. Right. And that and that takes a lot of mental energy. You know, I think that there's a balance of, you know, you want to keep your players on your toes. But at the same time, as a player, you know, you just want open and honest transparency and where you're at and what your situation is, because you want to know, you kind of want to know what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it would definitely just be, you know, open communication and, you know, the coach has their opinion. That's what they're paid to do. And, you know, you can disagree, you can agree, but, you know, if you kind of know where you stand and you got to kind of know what you need to do to get where you want to be, then that's all for me, that's all you can ask for. 
I think communication, it's such a key component to, to any game of football and any club and any franchise and whatever way you want to word it between obviously the coach and players, between everyone that's involved and obviously between you as a goalkeeper and your defenders and your midfielders is that open communication. If keepers ball or if a defender calls it, step back, move away, I, I don't know. But how important is communication in terms of an actual game? Because, you know, a lot of young people, as I've mentioned this several times, there's a lot of young people that listen to this. And sometimes I find with young people, some of them could be quite shy. But if you're a goalkeeper, you need to be loud. You need to control the box. You need to even dictate to your back four. Take a yard back, step a couple of yards back or push up, push up. You're way too deep. How important is that? And was that something, was that a, a behavior you maybe learnt over the course of your career? Or were you always very good at being able to communicate and, and to kind of scream and yell what it is that you actually needed from your defenders? So that's a, that's a great point. I think that, you know, especially for goalkeepers, well, I'll, I'll answer your last question first. I had a good goalie coach when I was growing up. I was very lucky in that, and that he always harped on communication. I think that, you know, as young goalkeepers, as you grow up in the game, you have to figure out the right things and the right way to communicate. And that comes with an understanding of the game. You know, you don't want to be, at least in my opinion, you don't want to be a goalkeeper who's back there just constantly yelling, 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 just for the sake of yelling because that's a way to get tuned out. And especially if you don't always know what you're talking about, you're going to get tuned out a little bit quicker. So I think that in terms of communication, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's honestly, it's one of the most important parts of my, my game because from a goalkeeper, you got to think of it from the viewpoint of you're trying to organize your defense in a way that's ultimately going to help you keep the ball out of the net and help you, you know, get the team in the right positions so that when you ultimately get called on to deal with something, what you're dealing with isn't as challenging as it could be, right? Like if you're, you know, if you're calling out a runner ahead of time and the guy on your back shoulder doesn't see the runner and you're calling him out because you see him because you have that whole field of vision and, you know, the cross comes in and the guy's able to, to track his runner and he catches up or, he, you know, he's able to throw that runner off course a little bit. That could be the difference between giving up a goal and, and you know, just dealing with a cross that looks very average to the, to, you know, to the outside eye that, you know, it doesn't look like a problem at all. But, you know, those are the types of things that happen all the time because you have that you have that view of the entire field. So, so much of the communication for goalies is, you know, kind of eliminating risk before you even have to deal with them. And that's for me, like that's a huge part of my game. And that's why I think it's so important to be on the same page with your defenders and, you know, really figuring out the right way to communicate to, to each one of them. Because, you know, I've, I've dealt with issues with this where, you know, when I was younger, you yell at one guy like when I, I was a senior in college, right? Just as an example, you yell at a freshman, the way that you're yelling at a senior, you're not going to get the same response because the freshman's going to be a little bit, you know, taken back by it. They're going to be a little bit more like, oh, who is this guy? You know what I mean? So you have to figure out your teammates and you have to figure out the right way to communicate with each one of them, which is a big part of being a goalie and a big part of being a leader. But, you know, in terms of actual communication, it's so vital for a goalie that, you know, it should be it should be a number. It should be a top three priority on every young goalie's list is figuring out the right way to communicate and figuring out the right balance for yourself so you can still communicate and still play your game the way you want to. I think that's such a brilliant, you know, golden nugget of wisdom is communication has to be in your top three. There you go. If we're going to bite size this, if we're going to clip that bit, that's the bit we're going to make go viral. Nice. That word yeah, of I'll wisdom. I'll throw that up on mine too, man. Let's put that out there. <laughs> 100%. Let's do it. But for you as well, you're, you know, as a leader, as, as a veteran, as someone who's been around the block, if I could say it that way without causing offense, whenever. No, I've, I've been around the block, man. I'm beaten. I'm beaten. I'm beaten. I've been around the block more than once. <laughs> when a young goalkeeper um, is emerging, 
uh, maybe third choice, fourth choice, maybe it's an under 21, maybe it's an under 18, whatever. And he's training with you guys as the goalkeepers. For you as maybe a bit of a, of, a, of a veteran or a mentor, what advice are you giving that, that young person, that young player? You know, it's interesting because we have a guy, we have a guy now on our team who's, who's young, right? He's 19 year old and he just got called in. And, you know, I think that, I think that the best advice that I can, to, that I can give a young player is to just kind of understanding and trusting the process in which they're going through, especially if things aren't going the way that they want them to, right? Like, like in this particular situation, it's, it's, you know, he probably wants to be playing more and, and, you know, getting more minutes and this year might've not panned out the way that he wanted to in terms of getting games, but you know, there's still, there's still valuable things to be learned in goalkeeper training. And I would offer, I would offer this advice to just about any goalkeeper that's listening right now. It's, you know, and I, and I do some coaching too. So I, this is something that I harp on a lot. It's, I learned so much from my own personal experience. I learned so much from watching Nick Romando train every single day and the way that he played in games and just like the way that he went about different things throughout his daily, you know, throughout his daily training session or like, and, and just picked his brain. I, you know what I mean? As much as he would let me, we were cool. So like, he didn't mind that much, but like as much as he would let me, I would always just pick his brain and be like, if he did something that I, that I never seen or that I wouldn't do, I was like, Hey, why did you do that? I'd hear his answer. And I would, if I thought it was good, I would apply it to my game. If I thought it would work for me, I would try to apply it to my game. And I learned so much just from watching other goalies, you know, day in and day out that, you know, those are just different things that you could pick up on. And if you're not happy in your situation or, you know, you're in a, you're in a goalkeeper session where, you know, you might not be getting as many reps as possible, especially for young goalies, the tendency is to kind of like lock away or like turn away when you're not focusing on your moment or, you know what I mean? When it's not your moment to be in the actual drill, a lot of goalkeepers have a habit to kind of turn away or, you know, lose focus for a little bit, but it's important that when you're going through trainings, you're learning from every single moment. You know what I mean? You're learning all the time. And I think that for young goalkeepers, it's, you know, you got to kind of be in a, a sponge in that way that you can learn from other goalies. You can learn from other people's mistakes. You can learn from other people's successes. And, and, you know, that's just the way to go about it because once you get on the field, you want to be able to go to a toolbox of everything that you've learned and, you know, be able to deal with any type of situation, because once you get that opportunity on the field, you know what I mean? For goalies, like you get one opportunity, you don't want to give it up because that one opportunity takes a long time to get. So you want to have a good toolbox of things ready to use. And, you know, the best way to do that is to just be a sponge and, and try to learn as best you can. Sorry, that was a super long winded answer. No, it, it was long winded, but it was it was good. You know, it had it had so much in there, I think, for young people to take away or even seasoned professionals to take away and never forget that you can learn. And there are other veterans, there are other pe people you can learn from. And like you said, just even ask him, why did you do that? I don't get that. Why did you do that? It's such an integral part of development and learning. And I think it's, it's vital. And I think with being a goalkeeper as well, it's probably the most unenviable position on the pit, like on a football pitch, because a striker can miss six chances and then scores next one. And the game can finish one nil and he looks a hero. If a goalkeeper makes one mistake, it usually results in a goal and it's almost unforgiving in a way. And just to wrap it up, and this will be the last major question that I ask you. How do you deal with that as a goalkeeper? How do you deal with the high risk in terms of, because a lot of it, and I, and I try to say it politely and in, in a good way, you must feel a lot of pressure as a goalkeeper in terms of, I know it's a team game and it's all about, and if the team wins, brilliant, and then you move on. But I always feel like a goalkeeper carries more pressure than anyone else on the pitch. And I don't know if that's true, but that's just how I always feel when I look at a goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody else. I've never played another position, but I think that, 
you know, I think that you have to have a certain mentality and you have to have a certain type of personality to be a goalie that, you know, that gets weeded out pretty quickly. If you don't, if you don't have that personality, if you don't like that mentality, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we are part of the team, you know, it is a team game. You are part of the team, but in the same mindset, you're kind of playing your own sport back there, right? Like you're not doing, there's only one other person on the field who's doing what you're doing and it's the goalie for the other team, right? That's why they call it the keepers union because only goalies understand what they're going through. But there is like that added, you know, there is that added pressure. There is that added, you know, you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to do this because it is, you know, ultimately you do cost the team the game if you do make a mistake. And, you know, of course, like that's how you feel personally, but at the same time, you also got to keep in mind, there are other people out there in front of you who, you know, they don't, they don't view it. I think one of the hardest things to do as a goalie is like, right. You play this individuals, you play this individual sport within it, within it, within a game, you are part of a team and you have to remember that there are other people in front of you, but at the same time, like also with the understanding that, you know, when you do make a mistake, it is a little bit, it is a lot more costly than when, (laughs) when, you know, the forward makes a mistake and, and, you know, if you make a good save, like it's kind of like, okay, cool. He did his job. So I think that, you know, it's just a type of mentality that you have to have. And, you know, if that moment, especially for young goalies out there, if that moment does occur and you do make a mistake, you just got to understand too, that that kind of comes with the territory of the position that you signed up for. You're going to get a lot of the burden, but then, you know, at the same time, if there goes to a penalty shootout and you save it, you're going to be the hero. So there's a lot of that risk reward in terms of being the goalie. Mm -hmm. But I also think that too, like in terms of who you are as a person, who you are as a, you know, what your personality is on a field, you have to, co- you have to enter into the position with that understanding that there is a ton of pressure on the goalie. And there is a, like, if a mistake is made, it doesn't matter who made the mistake. A lot of the fingers are going to be pointed at you when the ball ends up in the back of the net. So you just got to really go into the position with that type of understanding before, you know, if you, if you're going to sign up for it, you got to kind of know what comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I echo that, you know, there's no point even trying to add to that. That's so much in your answer. That's it's quality and it's right. You know, it is, it's a high pressured environment, but it's probably what makes it so fun whenever you're going well and things are going great for you. And um, as we, as we close this off, Jeff, I just want to thank you for your time. This has been phenomenal conversation here in the match fit football podcast. Delighted to get you on the show. Obviously, um, I know you're hurt and we wish you a speedy recovery. And if there's anything we can do to help, drop us a message, of course. But Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time out today to jump on the podcast. We really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you having me, man. Hopefully some goalies learn some stuff. Goalkeeper <laughs> I, union. That's it. Keepers union. All the best. <laughs> we'll see you next time here in the Match Fit Football Podcast.